Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week for Howergust, we have... Wanted Dead or Alive. And the Flying Virus. Did you know Rutger Hauer died in 2019? Same as his character in Blade Runner. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. You're batting. You're batting real bad this week, Brian. Why? <laughs> couldn't, couldn't find one of the movies. <laughs> Didn't get your computer working. That other thing, other thing. the movie we could find. <laughs> <laughs> the Doug couldn't find. Oh, Doug! You don't understand. You really, uh, you really picked the right week to be Canadian. You guys realize this may be a problem next week as well, though. Mm. I, well, also cannot, I also cannot find one of the movies for next week. <sighs> Good times. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Doug, I just want you to take this in. This is Noah complaining about a movie that has Rucker Howard in it. Yeah. We'll get to it. <laughs> makes, makes me sad. It makes me sad that I now have to talk about it after watching it. Well, let's just, let's just get into it. No, no banter this week. <laughs> No, Noah, you're just what, straight to Noah crying. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about Flying Virus, aka Killer Buzz? Uh, so, I don't, I don't know. This movie has a <laughs> plot apparently, in which there's an oil company and a politician and some native people, and then and then there's a, a guy who's genetically engineered super bees. But then there's like another random guy who's leading the natives who's come up with a cure for super bees. <laughs> and then there's another guy who's on a plane, and then there's bees on the plane, and then there's can a bunch of dumb shit with that. Sure. This is this is the Sharknado of bee movies. Can, can we can we scroll it back? Did you say a cure for genetically engineered bees? <laughs> uh, yeah. What the? Yeah. What does that mean exactly for those of us who haven't seen? That? Oh well, that is apparently you drink poison dart frog poison, and uh, the bees will leave you alone. <laughs> Jesus, it's the really end. too bad in, this movie. End, end of movie's explanation. <laughs> it's really too bad that this doesn't stream in Canada anywhere, and I wasn't able to watch it. I felt really guilty about that, guys. Rutger Hauer is very literally in four scenes of this movie. I'm pretty sure they paid him for like three hours of shooting. <sighs> it's all 
all the things are bad. Acting's bad, script's bad, special effects are really, really bad. It's boring. It's just, it's all all the things, all the things that make you not want to watch a movie, it's all the things. I will agree with all that. (laughs) And it's not even like it's one of those so bad that it's good movies. It's more like one of those movies where they just clearly fucking phoned it in. It's somebody just, needed to somebody needed to launder some mob money. That's how I, that's how I'm figuring. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So yeah, there's this chick who's like a scientist. Yeah, archaeologist. No she's, no, she's a fucking reporter. Oh, that's right. She's a reporter. But yeah. It, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter that she's a fucking ro- nothing matters. Nothing in this no. movie matters. Really, it's it's kind of like uh, Last Crusade only bad because if if no one had did anything, the movie would have ended the same way. The bad guys would have found the tribe of people who were immune to the super bees, and they would have got their asses kicked. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, yeah, there is some killer bees that will sting you, and you can die. And David Naughton from American Werewolf in London is a doctor, a sleazy doctor, who steals some of the bees and then tries to fly to America to sell them to a pharmaceutical company. But of course, they get out of their container. So then the the story is split by this girl in the jungle fighting Rutger Hauer's mercenaries and Craig Schaefer, her soon-to-be ex-husband on the plane, fighting evil bees and that's pretty much it yeah and then there's some nerdy kid who's trying to pick up on like an okay looking girl and then the movie ends with the stereotypical i did something slightly brave so now you you like owe me being with me Mm -hmm. it's all bad everything about this movie's bad and if noah's saying it's bad just imagine how bad it has to actually be. I, I don't even. I don't even sure I can imagine. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying there is no, there is no redeeming quality of this film. There is not a single thing in this entire film that I enjoyed, and that includes Rudger Hauer's performance because there was so little of it. It had no effect on the film whatsoever. But he's on all the like posters and stuff. That's right. You know what they did? They Malcolm McDowd me. They Malcolm McDowd me with Rudger Hauer. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. McDowell and sons of bitches. <laughs> so what was your favorite part? A guy gets attacked by toilet bees. That's pretty good. <laughs> toilet bees. No. Even that. Even that. See, that sounds like it should be good. It's not, but it is by far the best part of the film. You got to see a, uh, is it a lion or a tiger? I don't remember. Uh, a big jungle cat get attacked by CGI bees. <laughs> I'm not sure how they did the effect of that cat flying back, but it looks an awful lot like they may have rammed that panther with some kind of go-kart. <laughs> I mean that's not that's not appropriate. We shouldn't laugh at that. 
<laughs> oh, oh, that most certainly, most certainly, that cat is dead. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's not really much to say about this movie. It's yeah, it's, it's terrible on all fronts. Yeah, there. Like I said, there is nothing good about this movie. Not not a single second of this movie nope. is not, worth your time. Not even you any nudity. Yeah, you should even if if you are a Rudger Hauer completionist. You should ask somebody uh, to edit you a supercut of the 13 seconds he's on film. <laughs> and just do that. Oh, I take that back. Best best part of the movie is the end of the movie where Rugger Hauer is in the water and he sees the alligator and he tries to shoot the alligator, but his gun doesn't work. And, and then he goes underneath the water like the alligator attacked him. Wait, That's it. Couldn't afford the guys, couldn't afford the CGI alligator. You guys didn't tell me there was an alligator in this movie. It changes everything. Well, there's a piece what? of foam that looks very alligator like. <laughs> it that seems like there's a, a random assortment of killer animals in this movie. Like it's about killer bees, but there's just also an alligator and also a panther. See, but I would say saying that it's about killer bees is misleading. <laughs> there are certainly killer bees in this movie. This is all getting very confusing. I'm not even 100% certain that this movie is about anything. Is it about this woman and her estranged ex-husband getting back together? Is that is, Was that the point of the movie? Maybe. Maybe. How about that part of the movie where he opens up the door to a plane that's mid-flight and gets sucked out, and he's strong enough to hold on to a rope <laughs> hanging out the door... <laughs> Of a jet going full speed at high altitude, <laughs> and manages to climb his way back into the jet. Yeah. That's that's pretty impressive. You'd have to be extremely strong to do that. Now, in all honesty, I legitimately thought because his his wife slash whatever is on a helicopter, I thought for sure they were going to fly up next to him and grab him. So <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. it could have been worse. With a, with a helicopter going at jet speed somehow. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, the common sense thing would have been to let go and have the helicopter kind of get underneath you so you could grab onto the uh, like the pontoon things when you fly by. So that's how I would have handled it if I was writing the script. Oh, but if the helicopter's underneath you, if you fall, you're going to get chopped up by the blades. Yeah, it does that thing where it kind of goes partway up on its side, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> What's the? I, he's recognizable too. The uh, the the soon to be ex husband's guy. What's his name? He's the one who looks like uh, Angel's gross little brother. That's Craig Schaefer of uh, Nightbreed fame. Yeah, yeah. My favorite movie. He's from my favorite movie. That makes me even more upset. <laughs> How dare they! <laughs> How yeah. dare they take someone from my favorite movie and put them in this piece of shit? Yeah. Now they've drunk two actors through the mud. I'm telling you, they they grabbed a good cast because yeah, they got Craig Schaefer, they got uh, Rucker Hauer, of course. Uh, the nerdy kid is was the nerdy kid from Picket Fences, but this was like after that, so he definitely was not as famous as he used to be. And they got David Naughton from American Werewolf in London. That's it. A lot of people that used to be famous. Yeah. They must have got them at a... Maybe they got like a bulk rate or something, but... 
we do get to see a girl swallow some bees because she's too busy screaming that there's bees coming at her. Yeah, but they're but they're really bad CGI bees. <laughs> and then she bleeds a weird CGI blood tear. It yeah. doesn't make any logical sense, but... I mean, especially because that special effect, you literally need an eyedropper. Like, they couldn't afford an eyedropper, <laughs> so they spent money to have somebody put in a digital blood tear. Like, well, it's not the eyedropper that's cost prohibitive, it's the gas to get to the drugstore to buy an eyedropper. So. I suppose. <laughs> oh... This I just like, don't get this it. This is like I Christmas mean, even... for Doug. <laughs> Noah's so mad. And Doug's just so happy. Even the I just don't understand it. I don't understand how they took actors who are who are decent actors in other things and made them shitty. How do you take a good actor and make a good actor shitty for your movie? Uh, are you looking movie? for an answer to that question? Did you ask that or was it rhetorical? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I'm legitimately interested. Like, like, do you think the director was on set and, like, Rudger Hauer would deliver his line and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I need you to tone this shit down. How how dare you come onto my film set bring acting skills? It's going to, you're going to make my film look lopsided. I need everyone to be equally terrible. <laughs> You, you well, don't understand. The lead actress is not good. You can't be better than her. Right. She's the she's the only one we can afford to pay for three days of shooting. <laughs> we can't even have, afford to have her and Craig Schaefer in the same room. We have to film them separately on different days. <laughs> good lord. I'm looking for other stuff by this director to see if they're also notoriously for bad acting. A lot of it looks like made-for-TV thriller-type movies. I found out I can drop images into our Skype chat. Now, now Doug, you can... Oh, there we go. Plane plane full of bees. You can see how terrible this movie was. Because these are literally the only images, the only two images I could find from this movie. (laughs) Good stuff. And I also, I mean, even with all of it, what's the worst title? Is Flying Virus worse or is Killer Buzz first? <laughs> first. Because, I mean, Flying Virus is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And Killer Buzz is bad for this movie. I think it would be better if there was, like, another level to it than bees. It's <laughs> like bees... <laughs> bees get into like a radioactive beer like it's redneck zombies or something <laughs> I feel like Killer Buzz is a more honest name for this movie though because you know a movie called Killer Buzz is going to suck right if they would have just swapped the words it would have like advertised this movie correctly you would have known exactly <laughs> what you were getting into Buzz Killer yeah Buzz Killer I'm, a little su- I'm, I'm real upset about it too because I was, I was riding on a, a nice high from the other movie <laughs> <laughs> this just brought me it's brought me way down. All right, no. It's all right. Well, how about we do this? this Sometimes movie's... it happens. Sometimes this... you see a really bad movie. This movie's terrible. <laughs> Don't ever watch it. Yeah, yeah, fuck literally fuck this movie and and fuck anybody who made a cent off this movie. The director, any producers, they should all just just fuck right off and never work in film again. <laughs> 
Uh, what other movies do you guys think it would team up well with from when I put it on the list four more times so we get to do this again? <laughs> <laughs> Killer Buzz Month? No, just like spread it throughout the year, like once a quarter, we revisit this movie. <laughs> I don't know, maybe just pick a random like Hallmark movie that thinks it's a horror movie. I mean, I I still think that that is a step up from this. But that's, that's I've never a seen a Hallmark movie. horror movie before, believe it or not, so I can't comment. Oh, I think they're they're happening this year. Uh, since those Christmas movies have been doing so well for him, I think they're actually going to do some Halloween movies. Oh, that's exciting. No, it's not. I've also never seen the Christmas movies, but. I have a wife who's obsessed with them, so... Oh, God, I was going to say one of my exes was really into them. And they are bad. Yeah. They all star Candace Cameron. She's always too busy to celebrate Christmas in all of them. But then learns a lesson by the end. She comes home to her hometown, and lo and behold, it's the guy she went to high school with, and now he owns the ice cream store. <laughs> that does sound intriguing. No, that's every movie. Just change this her job year, and change his job, and it's the exact same movie every time. This year in Christmas on a Cone. <laughs> all right, well, why don't you cheer us up, Noah, and tell us what Wanted Dead and Alive is all about, or Dead or Alive. All right, so Wanted <laughs> Dead or Alive, this fucking movie. Uh, this is about a fucking bounty hunter who lives both on a houseboat and in a huge warehouse for no reason. <laughs> I mean, it's a, both the tropes. Really spreads it out. Uh, and he is on a mission uh, hired by the CIA who are going to pay him a quarter million dollars to hunt down a terrorist who's also Gene Simmons from KISS. Mm -hmm. uh, but as it turns out, the CIA actually leaks that he's going to be hunting this guy in order to use him as human bait and get some of his friends killed. And then he goes on a one-man Rudger Hauer killing spree and murders the shit out of a bunch of people with a shotgun. <laughs> A.K.A. It's a great fucking movie. <laughs> uh, the word great confuses me, but... Uh, it's it's satisfactory. Oh man, I I don't understand how you can't think this is like perfect, ridiculous '80s action bullshit. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's what I'm in it for, and that's exactly what it is. I feel like I could have used more action, and I feel like this movie is too long. Well, that might be true. I would use the term "way too long." <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, and it just tonally, it was just it did not know whether it wanted to be a ridiculous over the top action movie or a serious thriller, and you you can't be both of those things. That was a real problem for me. But I, the only thing that gets weird in it is so some of the violence in the movie is a little bit like subdued, kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not super squibby or anything, which yeah. which is fine. And but then on the other hand, you have shit like that dude getting sucked underneath the car, and he gets drugged for a second. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, and it lingers on it. I was like, "Oh shit, <laughs> that looks so awful." 
Like, and I don't know if that was an accident and just the mannequin they were throwing under the car got stuck for a second and the director was just a genius, was like, no, leave it. <laughs> or where they go from no squibs to him, like, blowing fist-sized holes in people with shotguns. Yeah, that's when, the, like, it just the 80s just hit in the middle of the movie and they're just like, we're uh, going to crank this up now. <laughs> we forgot it was the mid-80s. <laughs> Yeah, let's go from just a wide shot of a theater blowing up to yeah, giant holes in people. You guys, you guys got to admit one thing though, right? It's got that perfect uh, uh, mindless action movie one-liner ending. Yeah, it was a, it was a good one-liner. That's what I'm saying. They stuck that landing. The just fuck the bonus. <laughs> <laughs> I almost, I think I golf clapped sitting in my chair in my living room. I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> Feels like that was like the punch-up writer that came in at the end and just like, could you just make this a little more 80s? Oh, well, this is what he should say at the end of the movie then. <laughs> Bring in some guy that works with Schwarzenegger. Well, you're coming off of it and you're like, oh man, he didn't kill him. That's a little weak. And then it's like, oh no, he did. Yep. <laughs> yeah. oh, I mean, he was going to kill him. There was no question about whether he was going to kill him or not. That was not a question from the opening scenes of the movie. Is it... Is is it super racist that a, uh, a Jewish guy is playing a really, really stereotypical Arab guy in this movie? <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of surprised we didn't just start there with our discussion of this. <laughs> Gene Simmons in, uh, I don't know, what do you call it, yellow face or brown face is like the second lead in this movie. And he gets a lot of screen time in that ridiculously racist makeup. <laughs> I actually didn't think he was like horrible acting wise. I think he's actually really good. Yeah. I think he's like, it's probably the best performance in the movie. And he's up against Rutger Hauer and the guy that played Benson and a couple other recognizable faces. Right. So it's like, yeah, he, I think he did really well. It's just you shouldn't have been doing that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, totally passable. I think I think the thing that hurt Gene Simmons in this movie wasn't uh, wasn't it didn't have anything to do with Gene Simmons. I think they didn't give him good enough henchmen. You know what I mean? Like they needed to splash in one of those. One of the five people that played every henchman in every eighties movie. Yeah, yeah. He needed a he needed a Bob from Batman. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the, I think the yeah I think the uh, issue with him is that he was a bad guy from a very serious movie, and the movie itself wasn't very serious, so it was a little bit off. And also, he was a terrorist, but when he blew up, he'd blow up like a local movie theater with like 200 people in it and it wasn't even part of a national chain or anything it's pretty weak terrorism stuff but you don't understand Rambo was playing at the time you don't blow up Rambo that's a good point it's not really a solid point <laughs> at all but I did, I did like the fact that because it was the 80s there was a bunch of kids that were at Rambo in this movie <laughs> like, yeah that's about right <laughs> I'll be a hundred percent honest. I'm a little surprised that just having the name Rambo on that marquee didn't give uh, Sylvester Stallone the right to come in, re-edit this movie, and make it shittier. 
Uh, gonna take out all of Rugger Hauer's stuff. The movie's just about Gene Simmons running around blowing shit up. Right. <laughs> Some five minutes. Five minutes of Rugger Hauer. Uh, Rugger Hauer's performance in this is like weirdly solid. If that if that makes sense, you'd ex- you'd expect him to actually camp this up a little bit more due to the nature of the character, and he really doesn't. Yeah, I found his performance to almost be boring because I wanted him to be Rudger Hauer and he wasn't being Rudger Hauer. <laughs> he was being Nick Randall, bounty hunter. Yeah, I but guess. There, but there was that point that the dad from Boy Meets World was playing Rudger Hauer. Was that yeah. better? I there's there's been a running fucking thing. That actor has popped up in so many fucking movies I've watched in the last year, and I just don't fucking get it. Was he really that active in like the eighties and nineties, and I just didn't ever fucking notice? Well, clearly, yeah. yes, is the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't know if maybe it's just maybe I've just randomly watched the seven movies that he was in. You know, you know what I mean? Well, let's find out. Yeah, that uh, the scene where he was uh, pretending to be Rucker Hauer, and then I guess spoiler alert, his boat blows up, killing him. Uh, I was actually very surprised. Oh I yeah, I don't. I, I don't think coming. I was expecting the boat to blow up. Yeah, that was mildly interesting. I don't know. I think you guys are like way more into this movie than I am because I just think. Not much interesting happened. I found very mediocre in this film. Granted, I don't have the other movie to compare it to, so maybe that might be the difference. But uh, let's see. William Russ is his name. The dad from Boy Meets World. He is still actively in lots of shit. So I think he's just he's just one of those guys that does just about everything. I mean, he was also he was racist dad and. American History X, right? Uh, I believe yes, so, yeah. Was, yeah. Racist firefighter dad. So he's technically <laughs> a hero that you just called a racist. <laughs> oh, I, for, I, I forgot in, in America people in hero positions can't be racists. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Luckily you guys have never had that issue. It's never really come up. So. No. no. <laughs> we have... We have very thorough vetting systems for people in positions of power. <laughs> uh, so he made the rounds in the 80s on every TV show ever made. He was an episode of Dukes of Hazard, episode of Remington Steel. He's in the V TV miniseries. He was in Riptide, Miami Vice, Hunter, St. Elsewhere. Yeah, you can just say all of them. That's what yeah. he was in, all of them. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Did he do an? Did he do an episode of Sledgehammer? Surprisingly, not. Oh, it's disappointing. Yeah, yep. Literally, just as every TV show ever made. And then he got his big break in '93 on Boy Meets World. Finally, that show was on for seven years. Mm-hmm. Good lord! You forget that those kids were like out of the house by the end of that show and they kept having yeah. to have excuses to go back and talk to the principal oh yeah he like retired but then was like a dean at the school or the college they went to <laughs> for some reason he lived He moved, at one point he moved next door to the family remember oh yeah <laughs> he was their he was their Wilson 
from home improvement. Yeah. You know, just go out. People just go out and talk to him over the fence. Yeah, nothing That's weird crazy. about that. I do that all the time. I get most of my life <laughs> advice over my fence. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So yeah, like I said, my only real complaint about this movie, I felt it was too long. It just kind of drugged the whole thing out. Could have been shorter for me. See, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't feel that way. But I, like I said, I was. I think I enjoyed it way more than you guys. I thought it was a perfectly good '80s action movie. Kind of exactly what I wanted. It was. Yeah. There, there's nothing really bad about it. There's just nothing really good about it either. So f- from that perspective, it had trouble holding my interest. It was just. I just felt like it was predictable, and it was hitting every '80s trope. And it's like I've seen all of this done millions of times. Um, just yeah, there was there was nothing really good about it. There was nothing. It wasn't terrible though. But but isn't the reason why you've seen all that stuff millions of times because all that stuff is really good? Eh, I don't have as much faith in Hollywood as you seem to because I don't assume <laughs> if they keep doing something over and over again that means it's good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I feel like there are better versions of everything that happened in this movie with the exception of fuck the bonus maybe at the end there was yeah that was the one part you were correct they nailed that which we haven't even said he he stuffs a grenade in Gene Simmons mouth and he pulls the pin and walks away yeah that's crazy as you do that that's just fucking fantasy worshipping thing for uh most of the audience that would love to do that to Gene Simmons. It's like, oh, this fucking guy He's not going to try to convince me to watch NASCAR again, is he, or whatever the fuck he's doing. He's trying to convince people to watch NASCAR? Wasn't he, he was like head of marketing for one of one of the cars driving circles things. I don't know which one it was. Weird. Yeah. Gene Simmons this. is a strange person. Yeah. The only thing I know him from is Kiss. And that horrible reality TV show he did. Reality. I, my favorite thing about that reality TV show was there was one episode where like the son got like lost or got his car towed or something and he was lost in like downtown LA and they were playing all this eerie music like as if he was in a dangerous situation but there was a camera crew following him so he was probably <laughs> going to be fine <laughs> it was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen his security team might have to come in it's very risky like somebody's gonna mug him while they've got a spotlight on him and there's a cameraman walking backwards and a guy holding one of those mics (laughs) 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 do you just want people to take a break I don't know not necessarily Uh, I got nothing else to say about this movie I don't yeah I don't have a lot like I said I kind of found my mind wandering while I watched it because it wasn't I think if it had been faster paced I would have enjoyed it more yeah, I do, I do my best not to pick up my phone while I'm watching movies, and this one I got through it without doing that. Kill, killer Buzz, I did not. I like picked up my phone, and I was like, I just need a cat video or something, something <laughs> with with more directorial quality. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. And 
unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Uh, Alright, so we do have some feedback. Weirdly enough, this feedback I think is about six months old. <laughs> uh, Wait, why are we reading it now? Because when I was posting the last episode on the website, uh, I had noticed there was like a spam comment. And so I went in to like delete it and I saw there was a bunch of spam comments. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, why is our spam filter not getting all these? So I was going through deleting them all. And then I found two comments that were not spam comments about episodes that we had done. Uh, that I don't think I'd ever read. And, I mean, maybe I caught these and we read them on the show before, but none of this seemed familiar when I, <laughs> when I read it, so. All right. So, yeah. So, this guy, Andy, uh, left a couple comments. He's in this first one. He says, I'm several weeks behind in podcast as usual, but just finished listening to this one on Night of the Demons 2. For the record, there's no excuse for being behind like this. <laughs> uh, and that which isn't even worth discussing in spite of David Carradine. What? Listening to this one on Night of Demons 2 and that which isn't even worth discussing in spite of... Right. He, he does not like Night of the Demons 2 despite David Carradine being in it. David Carradine's in that movie? Oh. I don't recall. It's been so long since we watched it. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I know Doug mentioned not liking mini sitcoms, but do you remember a previous love of Roseanne? I did want to recommend you check out The Good Place. It's pr- produced by Drew Goddard, which should add to your interest since he was behind Cabin in the Woods, Cloverfield, Daredevil, Lost, etc. Stars Kristen Bell as Eleanor Shellstrop, who dies and awakens in The Good Place, which is run by Michael, played by Ted Danson. Only problem is they confused her with a different Eleanor Shellstrop, as she's definitely not a candidate to end in heaven based on her behavior during her life. Being The Good Place, there's no forking way you can curse, but the show is really well done. Uh, a lot of surreal touches, cool demons, and some very surprising twists along the way. Season 1 and 2 are on Netflix, and each episode is only 23 minutes. But all linked to telling a continuing story. I really don't watch any other sitcoms at the moment, but have really enjoyed this so far. I might be a few weeks behind, but do continue to enjoy the podcast, even when you get into some rather questionable movie choices. Keep up the good work. <laughs> I wonder if he's still listening and he knows what you guys watched this week. Probably not. Uh-huh. The the good place is awesome. Is it? Heard yeah. good things. I, I just I got too much other shit I'm watching. Sure. Uh, out of like short form uh, comedy shows like that, I think it's probably my favorite one in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm I, I'm really into philosophy, and there's a lot of really interesting jokes about philosophy in it. That makes sense. One of the one of the main characters is an ethics professor, and he's trying to teach a bunch of people who are complete pieces of shit to not be pieces of shit. Hmm. Yeah, I keep hearing good things. I just don't have time. Uh, so then Andy followed up, Brian, Noah, and Doug. Since you often comment on no feedback, I'm offering a second one this month to help you through your lack of same 
but since I don't do social media, I am again posting. Since I took brief notes while driving, it will be a bit all over the place, although that goes well with your format anyway. How dare you, sir? No, that's he's right. No, I know. <laughs> I just love that we complain about no feedback. This guy sends us feedback. We read it a year and a half later. <laughs> uh, on the topic of made-for-TV horror, I will skip the obvious Scarecrows and Stephen King and once again recommend A Cold Night's Death starring Robert Culp and Eli Wallace as two researchers in the Arctic doing studies on chimpanzees very good tv film and still one of my favorites aside from the kolchak movies which are also awesome uh let's see for doug you might enjoy the british series in the flesh which ran two seasons and was about cured zombies and the prejudice against them being accepted back into society got a bit appreciate after a while but started off pretty interesting yeah it sounds fantastic i already added it to my watch list on amazon prime after reading this email right before we started recording so yeah that that sounds really interesting to me so i'll probably have thoughts on it soon uh by soon he means about a year from now well we'll see you know how it is (laughs) sometimes i get easily distracted yeah uh for tony perkins non-psycho roles i highly recommend pretty poison with him and tuesday weld and another great overlooked film from the 60s. Uh, that, along with The Bad Seed, are my favorite atypical psychotic killer films from that era. Well, thank you, Andy. I'm sorry it took so long to read your comments, but I never thought to look at comments on our website. I like I like The Bad Seed a lot. Yeah, it's quite good. I don't think I've ever it's, seen the whole thing. It's, in, it's kind of intense for a... Uh, an old movie like that yeah, it's it's darker than I expected it to be the first time I watched it I was really kind of surprised but yeah about about the time that the little girl burns the gardener to death yeah. kind of like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> this, this shit is for real I'm playing around um, well did anybody watch anything since last week uh, I did. Yeah, what'd you watch? First, first and foremost, after watching uh, Killer Buzz, I I needed something to cleanse the palate, so I watched uh, the the Rocco's Modern Life uh, forty five minute episode that they released for uh, Netflix, and it's it's really good. Yeah. I nailed it. I was I was pretty I was really happy about. It. <laughs> What is Rocco's Modern Life? Uh, Nickelodeon cartoon from the nineties. Okay. Uh, It was it was a really interesting show because it was one of those ones that fuck I can't remember what that artist's fucking name is. The guy who made it made a bunch of other cartoons, but he was he, he he could do this really good thing of including a bunch of adult shit. Mm hmm in these kids cartoons and not not in the gross you know sneaking something in under the radar way but in the you can actually kind of learn something from it way it's kind of it's hard to describe yeah. kind of although there was the thing where if you pay really close attention one of Rocco's side jobs is he's a sex worker 
<laughs> he, he, he works for a uh, uh, sex hotline. It's really funny. Yeah, when you're little, you don't realize that's what it is, though. Right, right. It's definitely one of those shows you can watch it when you're young and get a lot out of it, and then you watch it when you're older, and you get something completely different out of it, but all of it still in like a good way. Right, right. And this one, it's it's interesting because so so there's a cartoon from the '90s, and and obviously this is like a retro throwback, and they're bringing it back, you know, for a, a single thing, and. But but the the like plot of it is actually kind of about the the toxic impulse of nostalgia that that new things are bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so it's just I don't I don't know. There's something brilliantly ironic about a retro throwback cartoon about how we kind of need to let go of nostalgia for stuff like that. I don't know. It's pretty brilliant. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but kind of excited. It worked a lot of stuff in. It's it's about that. It's about remakes. <laughs> like the entire episode is about they're going to remake a. Uh, do you, uh, Do you remember Rocco's Modern Life? Pretty well, uh, Brian. I I remember sort of the overarching thing, but I couldn't tell you specific you, plot points. Do you remember the fact that they they would they were all super into a show called The Fat Heads? It's like no, the show. It's the. Sh- it's a show within a show, and the whole thing is so. Rocco and everybody have been gone for twenty years, and they just finally get to come back. And he's all stressed out about the new world, you know, because he's dealing with iPhones and you know Starbucks and and all the bullshit that the world has become. And he sits down and all he wants to do is watch some fat heads and it turns out that fat heads was canceled and they don't even show reruns anymore. <laughs> so he's freaking out. So he goes on like a one man mission for them to remake fat heads and finally gets them to remake it. And of course they change things. And so that he's freaking out that they changed them. <laughs> nice. But it was awesome. And the Invader Zim movie comes out tomorrow. Hmm. Never got into Invader Zim. Oh my god, it's the best. It's the best cartoon ever made. Do you have Invader Zim, Doug? I do not know what that is. Nope. Dear God. Don't have a what? lot of Nickelodeon up there in the uh, Canadians? This does not sound like it. We did not have Nickelodeon when I was growing up. No. I feel like most of the shows from it got picked up by other mm. stations here, as tends to happen, but... I was Apparently say, not it, as many as I thought. It'd, it'd be kind of ironic since Nickelodeon first sort of made its name by showing a bunch of Canadian TV programming down here in the States. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Oh, yeah, because wasn't uh, You Can't Do That on Television, a Canadian show? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, how I, that's how we knew what Nickelodeon was because people would refer to that as a Nickelodeon show and as kids were like, that's not a Nickelodeon show. Like, we all know where that comes from. <laughs> And what was the Dave Coulier show? Out of Control? I am not familiar with that one. I do not remember or recall that one. Uh, well, he said cut it out a lot. Um, not narrowing it down. That's that's everything. 
Is no, it was weird because I actually knew. I, is, is that the show he was on while he was uh, apparently getting it on with Alanis Morissette, even though she was grotesquely younger than him? That's the rumor. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. I actually knew his cut of that joke before Full House started because cut he was on the show. Yeah. That's weird that back then you could just make a joke on one show and then just carry it over <laughs> to your other show. Right? He's like, no, no, I got to say it. It's like my catchphrase. It's like my catchphrase, even though nobody knows either of the shows yet. <laughs> interesting. There's probably an interesting room to be in whenever he poured it over to uh, to Full House. Because, you know, they probably brought him in and he was like, so am I going to play the dad, you know, since I'm coming from this wholesome Nickelodeon show? And they're like, oh, no, 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 you're going to be the uncle. Uh, we're bringing in Bob Saget to be the dad. And he's like, the dick guy? <laughs> <laughs> All he does is dick jokes. You be careful, because if you show too much interest in the behind-the-scenes of Full House, I will add the Lifetime movie about <laughs> behind-the-scenes of Full House to the list. You're a monster. I've seen I've seen about ten minutes of it, and it's not good. But I'll sit through it if I have to. It's funny. Uh, yeah, but so, Invader Zim... Invader... Uh, I'm going to get his name wrong. Joe Vasquez cartoon uh he did all the good cartoons back in the day angry beavers and uh oh shit what were the other you're ones you're just saying porn names to make it sound like you watch no. invader uh, zim angry beavers you guys yeah. missed out on so much so much <laughs> fantastic childhood stuff because invader zim is just delightfully twisted and fucked up like even the art style the art, it's kind of got this uh, horror movie-esque thing to it because it's the world as seen through the eyes of a, a an alien so he sees the entire world as like disgusting and twisted and you mean accurately the term yeah no accurately <laughs> yes but it's vain man go End of end of show. Go, <laughs> both of you. Go YouTube. <laughs> Find Invader Sim. Watch. It only has three seasons. Watch all the seasons. I can't. I gotta watch that zombie show from the email. <laughs> Jesus, stop trying to get me off track, Noah. You're, that's the wrong track. <laughs> this track is more important. I think we all know I'm coming back next week with some other random thing having been watched. <laughs> Listen, there. There's an episode of Invader Zim in which they're going to go get physicals and uh, the kid in the class that knows he's an alien is giving him a bunch of shit because he's like, oh, you know what? You don't have human organs. They're going to you know, check you out and they're going to figure out that you're an alien and all this kind of stuff. So Invader Zim spends the entire episode stealing the other children in the class's organs. <laughs> and stuffing them inside of his body and by the end he's all blown up and fat and every time he opens his mouth you can just see like a pile of organs in the back of his mouth and they say something about you don't have uh, you don't have the stomach for it and he's like I have four stomachs <laughs> I don't know how you didn't become a serial killer oh my god it's so uh, good Brian don't don't say that so confidently. <laughs> you don't you don't want to bet on that. Listen, instead of killing people, 
I just watched a lot of shows about people killing people, and then I could live <laughs> vicariously through them. <laughs> it's the only way I can feel. It's <laughs> exactly what a serial killer would say in these circumstances, I feel. No, a serial killer would say something like, my favorite movie's American Psycho. I've watched it 35 times. <laughs> that is one of my favorite movies. It's a really good movie. Right. I feel like that there's two different types of people that watch American Psycho. There's the people who watch it and go, man, Christian Bale plays such a great fucking psychopath. You know what I mean? And then there's other people that are like, oh, man, Christian Bale's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the ones you need to be afraid of. Did you watch anything else? Uh, I also ended up watching... Uh, oh, yeah, I watched Tellboy. Oh, yeah. oh, man. You seem to have enjoyed that based on your social media postings. No, I really did. That's weird. Like, it's good. So, here's the thing. I'm not going to tell you it's as good as the Del Toro movies. Because fucking... Because Del Toro didn't direct him, like he's okay. he's a really fucking good director. Like, yeah, this guy's not as good. Obviously, uh, they it is different because it's definitely they leaned a little heavier into the uh, the R part of the comic books. Like, there's lots and lots of blood and guts and uh, and unnecessary people saying the word fuck. It's the weird, the weird thing where they said we're going to have an R rating anyway, so let's just cram the word "fuck" in unnecessarily a bunch, a bunch of times. Well, in the interest of fairness, maybe the writer had just seen Killer Buzz right before he sat down to pen the script, and that's just uh, it poss- just kept coming out. Possibly, but no, it's 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 fun. It it stays pretty true to the comics. The post credit sequences. Or the like the 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 mid credit sequence is one of the best fucking things I've ever seen in my entire life. Like one of the best. I can't even. It's better than the Marvel after credit sequences. They just stuck it that good. Because hmm. it has to. It has to do with one of my favorite characters who was never in the Del Toro films and who they brought in and he is played by uh, uh, I'm going to get his his name wrong uh, fuck last name's Church the guy who played Sandman he's got three names Hayden Christian Church is that what it is? I don't Thomas, know Thomas Hayden Church <laughs> Thomas Hayden combine him with Hayden Christensen listen the second the second someone has three fucking names it fucks me up I can't remember any of it but uh, he plays uh, Lobster Johnson in the film, mm. and you, basically you get get him twice. You get two cameos with Lobster Johnson in that second Lobster Johnson scene is is fucking amazing. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I still don't hold out hope, so I'll probably end up watching it at some point. But like I said, I I just rent it. I wouldn't say buy it because maybe you're not going to enjoy it, and I'd hate to tell you to spend twenty bucks on you know a movie you don't like. But it's definitely worth a a, a six dollar rental. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. 
if they make a sequel, I'll go see it in the theater. I probably should have saw this one in the theater. Now I feel bad. Uh, yeah, I don't think it did super well. So no, I think it was a, one of those huge disappointment ones. Well, it didn't have. Uh, I was kind of so it's it's a real go 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 movie. There's a lot of action set pieces. I think that's the biggest complaint of the movie. The the movie seems to be almost the plot of the movie's just an excuse to get from action sequence to action sequence. If if that makes sense, they're not like part of the storytelling. They're just their own things, and they're trying to tell the story around the set pieces that they wanted to put in. Yeah, which is which is not good. But they're awesome action set pieces, so it kind of it balances out a little bit. But even with that, like I wouldn't say it would have been. It's not a huge loss not going to see it IMAX or something. I mean, it's not like a Marvel movie where seeing it on that big screen with all the bat shit stuff going on, you're like, oh! <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. This one, it's fine. It, as long as you've got a big enough TV that you can make out the little details and, and see uh, him him stabbing the shit out of people and, and shooting people with a big gun. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. And I think that's it. I think that's all I want. What about you, Doug? What? Uh, I got a few things that I saw this week, actually. I had a pretty good week for movie watching, despite not being able to get a hold of one of the movies and not being particularly impressed by the other one. Um, First thing I watched, a movie called Madness and the Method. Have you guys heard of this one? The J. Muse movie? The the J. Muse movie, starring Mm -hmm. and directed by J. Muse, which is, in my opinion, not getting nearly enough buzz. It is, uh, if you're a fan of, like, kind of meta movies it is really good so Muse plays himself and the basic concept is he's sick of being typecast as Jay Mm -hmm. so he gets a hold of this like magical book that teaches you how to do method acting and he he reads it too quickly and it takes over his life and he ends up killing people for real because he's trying to begin a role as like a murderer and stuff but it's really funny. It's really like it's it's a really good dark comedy film. You know, it it has a lot of the predictable like Kevin Smith shows up as Kevin Smith, Muse mm-hmm. like Muse is playing himself, but you get great scenes of like Muse and Vinnie Jones are gone like grocery shopping together <laughs> and they're walking around the grocery store complaining about how neither of them are they're both being typecast and they can't get it's like I'd love to do action movies. Why well, I'd like to do a comedy once in a while. They're like complaining to each other. <laughs> it's quite funny. And it's you know that everybody that's in it plays like these exaggerated versions of themselves, and you get uh, you know you get Danny Trejo who's doing a practicing method for uh, to become play like a really effeminate character, so he's aiming that way at a party. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's it, it, like if you're just a fan of like dark comedies, I think it's it's a really fantastic take on that genre and it gives you enough background on everything that you don't really need to know who any of the people are like if you're not a fan of Jay and Silent Bob right but then if you are a fan of Jay and Silent Bob it also has some like really good nods in there like uh, one of the things is like uh, Brian O'Halloran who is in Clerks they, they're, one of the subplots is that he's written a script and he is, it's about to get made and Muse wants to play the lead role so he's trying to convince him to do it but O'Halloran shows up and just plays like the biggest douchebag version of himself 
<laughs> so there's like there's clips of him like because like, he's his famous line is obviously I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> and there's clips of him at like a party and he's getting people to say the line to him and then no no, no you're putting the emphasis on the wrong words. It's I'm not even supposed to be here today. He's like walking through <laughs> how to say it. <laughs> and then there's at one point they clip to him at home and he's just watching clerks and laughing at his own performance. <laughs> it's just it's just if you're if you know if you're already a part of the people who like that stuff, it's hilarious to watch him just doing this setup himself. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, a lot, lot of good stuff like that. There's a, a subplot involving Dean Cain playing himself, and the whole like running joke is that Dean Cain can't like take uh, take off his sunglasses or his hat in public, and he's he's all worried. He's like, oh, if anybody sees me, as soon as they realize who I am, I'm gonna be here signing autographs for ever. But then nobody ever notices him. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he shows up, he's wearing the same like weird incognito outfit. <laughs> so it's it's full of fun stuff like that. Um, you know, it's I, I really really liked it. I was a little nervous going into it because like I inherently like JMU's and I was worried about what this movie was going to be like. I like felt a bit like a cash grab and stuff, but it's not that at all. I just think it's funny he's playing he, he, he's directing and starring in a movie where he's sick and tired of being typecast as Jay right before another movie where he's playing Jay again comes out yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I mean like there's a an inherent joke in the fact that he's directing the movie about himself being sick of being typecast as a character that's based on himself right (laughs) like there's like there's there's these layers of meta humor if you know the people involved and you know what's going on because it's just like the idea that he's that that his way of not not being forced to play jay anymore is to direct a movie himself when he plays himself and it is just naturally (laughs) funny Mm, nice i always wanted to watch uh is it the movie Drawing Flies? Like somebody else associated with the viewers, you guys made a movie like not too long after Clerks, I think. Right. And it has a lot of the Clerks people, and I think Jason Mewes is in that one too. But I've never yeah. got around to watching it. I think I saw it once, but like way, way back. Mm-hmm. Like in the 80s. So couldn't comment on it. But yeah, I don't know. I, I can't get over how much I enjoyed that movie. So. Nice. And it has okay. a. For for all the geeks out there, it has a Stan Lee cameo, which Aww. might might mean it's Stan Lee's final cameo, right? Because yeah. this movie just came out, so I'm not exactly sure if that's correct or not. But I think so. Is the, yeah, it has it has Stan Lee in it, so uh, I don't know. I I enjoy seeing Stan Lee show up and stuff, and he's doing the Stan Lee thing where he comes out talks about how stupid Jay is. He clearly is in on the joke that Stanley would never speak this way of somebody. It's so nice. yeah, I don't know. It's like say it's it's a huge recommend. I, I really want I, I hope other people see it. I hope other people enjoy it because I and it also makes me curious because it's so well made, I'm wondering if it means Muse is a good director and whether he's gonna do something else. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't realize it was out yet, so I'll check it out. So there's that one. The other thing I watched that I was very pleasantly surprised with is a movie called uh, A Vigilante, starring Olivia Wilde. 
Have you guys heard this one? I have. I went and saw Crawl. And yeah. they played this trailer beforehand, and I'm like, that looks interesting. And then I haven't had a chance to watch it. Yeah, it it's a very interesting movie. Um, it's it's very typical vigilante from a plotline perspective. It's literally a character. So the idea is that she was in an abusive relationship. She got out of it, and she's decided to dedicate her life to helping other people that are in abusive relationships. So a lot of the first part of the movie is this series of sort of like I almost want to call them vignettes of just like she shows up, she gets a call, you know, so-and-so is trapped in this house. Her husband won't let her leave. She shows up, basically beats the shit out of a husband until he agrees to sign over a bunch of his assets and leave and never come back. Mm. Right. And she does the same thing. She saves some kids that are being used. It's these little storylines. She does the whole thing where she dresses up differently each time. So the people involved won't know who she is, which sounds cheesy, but it's not at all. <laughs> it's it's handled in a very, very dark and very serious tone. Um, we really don't get much else in that first half of the movie. Like, it, she's off doing these things, and then she's back in, like, her crappy hotel room that she's living in, just training and working on her next costume and stuff. It's um, But the performance from Olivia Wilde is fantastic, which is key. And it, it kind of goes as you'd expect. It ends in like a conflict between her and her former abuser, and it, like I said, plotline-wise, it's pretty typical of vigilante movies. But it's just the tone of it is so much darker and more serious than most. And I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's just it's excellently made. It's well acted. It's a lot of the like. Even the specifics, like the way they cut around some of the violence and stuff, is just extremely well made. Um, so I, it's a it's a big recommend if that type of movie interests you. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's zero exploitation element to it or anything like that. So a lot of people like when you think vigilante films, a lot of people imagine you know Death Wish movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not what, that's not what this is at all. Even though the plot sounds the same. So I'd be curious if. Uh, if other people enjoy it or not, because I I was very impressed. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely on my to watch list. So yeah. I tried to, I tried to uh, I tried to suggest it for me and Amanda to watch at some point. And uh, you know, we were looking for something to watch. I showed her the trailer. She's like, "Do you do? Can we maybe watch something a little happier?" <laughs> and I was like, oh, "Yeah, I see." Yeah. If you're in the mood for something a little happier, that's not it. It's just, it's just not. Yeah. So, but you know, not all movies are designed to put a smile on your face. Some are designed to make you think and feel different things. So that's okay. Now, if you're looking for something happier to watch, see, I'm I'm learning how to transition between my movies now. Uh, I watched the entire third season of Glow. Oh, as did I. Did you? Okay. What did, well, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, don't I really think liked a bad it. episode of that show through its entire third three season run so far. No, I don't think there is. And what's super weird about it for me is like I got into it because I thought it was cool to watch like like the first season is all about them putting together the wrestling show. There's virtually no wrestling in season three, but I'm still really mm-hmm. enjoying it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I, I've. 
I've bought into all these characters now, and I like seeing what's happening with them. And yeah, I like like even uh, I'm terrible with names. Liberty Liberty Bell, whoever her real name is, yeah. like her whole thing of like dealing with because she had the kid and now they're the show for people who don't watch the show they're all from LA but they moved their wrestling show to Vegas so you've got this one character who has a child back home and you have the kid taking the first steps and she's not there to see it and stuff like that and it's they, they kind of address it all and it's I think it's handled really well where it's lighthearted enough that you're never getting kind of overly emotional mm-hmm. but they're making sure you know that these are like real characters with real kind of life problems and stuff mm-hmm. yeah I like the I, so I was I was pretty happy with it I mean it's hard it's kind of hard to discuss because it's uh, there's yeah. less of a, a straightforward plot line that goes through the season and more just standalone yeah. episodes but yeah it's it's basically just like what happens to these characters over this year yeah. And that doesn't necessarily like. It's not really something you can articulate very well. It's like one character turns into a gigantic douchebag. Another character starts having like health problems, and that you know what the fuck do we do with a wrestler who can't wrestle? And yeah, yeah. so it's fantastic. I did think that that was an interesting thing that they just kind of fit in there, where the older wrestler and she's she's just wanting to keep going. And they're like, no, no, no! Like you're having like serious physical problems. You can't wrestle anymore. And it becomes a whole thing. Well, what do you do? You can't just like they, because they've become this like family. They don't. None of them want to let her go. And mm-hmm. you know, any wrestling fan knows the answer. You, you become the manager. Everyone knows that. <laughs> I don't know. What's funny is I paused it about halfway through that episode, and I'm like, I don't even understand why this is a problem. She just, <laughs> she becomes a manager. Yeah. And then like I press play and then five minutes later someone's like, Ooh, what if she's like a manager? And I'm like, see? <laughs> yeah, I mean that 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 plot line is for non wrestling fans, people who didn't grow up watching eighties wrestling. Yeah. You know, they start it, taking off like awesome. Captain Lou Albino and Bobby the Brain Heenan and I'm like, see? <laughs> this is so obvious. <laughs> Yeah, I, I liked it. I liked um, the Mark Marrow's character. I liked when they brought the daughter back in, and she. So he's a writer for people who don't watch the show, and mm-hmm. his daughter showed up in previous seasons, and she shows back up in this season having written a script, and he reads it, and you see him like passing it off to other characters, and you think that it, it, I think it's handled really well. Like I'm like thinking, oh, it's going to be bad, and he's trying to get somebody else to read it, and say it's bad kind of thing but what's really mm-hmm. happened is he's embarrassed because he, his daughter's written a better script than him <laughs> <laughs> so he's like he's he's been writing a script in the background of the of the whole season and then the daughter shows up and she's got a better script and by the end of it he's directing her movie <laughs> so I thought that was a fun little twist yeah I didn't get it that he was embarrassed I think he was just like holy shit this is good but am I thinking it's good because it's my daughter so then he's like, will you please read this and tell me your honest opinion? But then, like, he never really gets it because they just, they run back yeah. to Hollywood and start shopping it around. But yeah, yeah I, I was afraid that he was going to steal it. And I was like, oh, oh please don't. Please don't. See, Sam's, Sam's one of a his gi- character would have. <laughs> yeah. Sam's a gigantic asshole, but please don't let him go this far. Yeah. yeah they, luckily that they, would have been the point where like I just can't even I can't even like him anymore. <laughs> right. 
So, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. So I like that. One thing I do want to say, because I'm the guy that always comes on this podcast and complains when shows do, uh, like, when they dedicate whole episodes to, like, a character coming out as gay or whatever, and I always mm-hmm. say that that's completely unnecessary in 2019. Mm-hmm. Glow is an example of a show that handles that topic excellently. Mm-hmm. Because they actually have, like, they have two of the wrestlers started to form a couple at the end of last season and there are a couple in this season one of them is an out and out lesbian the other one is not and she actually struggles with it and there's actually interesting character developments and things that happen as a result of this it's not just a ooh look at them they're gay moment it's handled really well I thought I thought it was interesting I thought I was was like while they were debating all their stuff I was like actually wondering like is she going to end up going back into like more of a closeted situation or end up with like a guy just to cover up the fact that she wants to be with these women or like I was actually interested in what was going on with the mm-hmm. characters it, so yeah. that's to me this is this is the example of what you should be doing with yeah. if you're if you're going to have like you can either have homosexual characters that's just irrelevant that's just a personality trait that they have or you can do something interesting with them but just having trying to make a whole episode out of it is uh, is very frustrating to me. And it, this shows that you can do it correctly. Hmm. So. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, they they did that whole you know conflict of she still is just really isn't acknowledging it. She yeah. keeps her excuses. Well, I don't know what I am type of thing. Whatever. Yeah. But then I loved <laughs> I loved at the end. She's just like. I have to tell everybody something. I'm gay. And everybody's just like, yeah, we know. Like, it's not. <laughs> it was kind of a funny moment. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a good season. I really enjoyed it. It bummed me out that it was over so quickly. Yeah. I kind of zipped right through it quickly, and I was kind of thinking I should have spaced that out a little bit. Now what am I going to watch? <laughs> the British show that Andy uh, suggests to you. Yeah. And not the stuff that Noah's trying to pick you to watch. Lies. <laughs> Probably lies. Um, so what's next? Oh, I think you saw this too, Brian. Mm. Uh, scary, scary stories to tell in the dark. Did you get to see yeah, that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So what did you think of it? I really liked it. A lot. I was I was super nervous going in because I knew that they added a narrative to it mm-hmm. to make it into a story, and I generally speaking, I hate when they do that. <laughs> like I'm like, just make an anthology film, or it's fucking 2019. You know, take the stories to Netflix or HBO or one of the other things that will let you do a series and just do standalone stories. Um, and that's that's what I was worried about going in but I think the narrative they added worked pretty well I think the the stories they picked to throw up there were ones that everyone kind of remembers a little mm-hmm. bit and so it's like yeah like as they were happening I'm like oh yeah and then so I thought I thought that was done well I thought the atmosphere really worked I thought setting it in the 60s was a nice easy way to not have them all carry cell phones and <laughs> have characters that actually read books um yeah I, I was very very happy with it i went to it with a kid and i can tell you like it was 
just scary enough to keep a 10 year old kind of on their toes which um, is fun I thought yeah I was um, very very happy with it what did you think um, well all the stuff you said you liked about it I ended up not liking about it oh really <laughs> yeah the through narrative I just was not a fan of uh, it was okay but I didn't I didn't I thought it worked like, good love enough, it. But... Um, setting it in the 60s I was like what's the point of setting it in the 60s um, yeah but <laughs> okay. I will say the visuals were spot on yeah everything uh, that I had always pictured when I read the books based on the fantastic art um, was like dead on they like nailed that part of it so yeah but yeah some of the other stuff I, I don't know so I, uh, I told I told them I told me and Wes and Amanda went and saw it. And I told them afterwards I wasn't a huge fan of the through story, but I mean honestly I don't have an idea of how to do it better. So you know, take that I guess for what it's worth, but I don't know. That just didn't work for me. Uh, again, I think it was it, if I have a complaint about the movie, it's that it's probably a little too scary for a bunch of like 10 and 11 year olds to go to the theater by themselves Mm -hmm. but that definitely the storyline is a kids movie storyline like for sure so for people who haven't seen it it's basically yada 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 there's a ghost and all this other stuff but basically they find this book and stories are writing themselves in the book and then coming true so Mm -hmm. And there, there's a, it's a lot more complicated than that, but that's the gist of it. And so that is a that is a kids movie plot. What goes on there, right? It is. And then for me, that was fine because my association with these books is that they were something I read when I was a kid. So I think of them. I, I would think that these stories would have to be told in a kid friendly way, but only because I read them when I was a kid. So I don't know. I was pretty happy. On a on like a personal note, I used to have a recurring nightmare, and I did not know. I I did not remember that it was because I read scary stories to tell in the dark. <laughs> but my recurring nightmare was about getting a bug bite, and then the bug lays bugs in you, and they all come out. Oh. And it was literally like a flashback moment when sitting in the theaters. There's a character who says like, "Oh, I think I just got bit by something," and it suddenly remembered like that nightmare I had a bunch of times when I was a kid was because of these books. I don't know why I, I never pieced that together before. So, Terrifying. You, you must love that scene, right? Not great. It's not great. It's yeah. It's executed well, uh, but I can see why uh, somebody with a bit of arachnophobia might not have enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I was not a fan. Yeah, but the scarecrow scene was really good. The visual of him coughing up the uh, hay. Mm, yeah, that stuff was awesome. Yeah, Harold was always one of my favorite stories, so I was glad to see it, even if it's changed drastically from the actual story. But yeah, I haven't still. read the book in so long. I wanted to reread the books before mm-hmm. seeing the movie, but I never got around to it. <laughs> All right. So yeah, that's, it sounds like I enjoyed it a lot more than you, but you seem to be still semi-positive, yeah. right? Yeah, semi-positive. The stories themselves are good, the visuals are good. just don't know if the 
the uh, I guess wraparound esque story uh, did anything for me, but I did think the whole numbers. the element of making references to Vietnam and to the racism of the '60s. I thought some of that was kind of weird to have that in this movie. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I think that was part of my. Why is this in the 60s moment? Because it's just... Okay, if you're targeting it for younger audience members, then you're talking about Vietnam, and this one kid is trying to dodge the draft, and this sort of, like, racism stuff. I'm just like, that doesn't seem like that's... That's what you would do for for younger viewers who probably don't even know what Vietnam is. Yeah, I thought that was a bit strange but I and I kept waiting for it to play into more of the movie and it didn't um but it, I was comfortable with them setting it in 1968 just so they could go see it at the living dead we got a couple of <laughs> scenes of that movie edited into yeah. this movie and that made me happy um, <laughs> but yeah like and, and I you know like I said it's I liked the aesthetic of the film overall and part of that is the fact that these kids were riding around on bikes and the nature of the cars that the guys were driving and stuff like that mm-hmm. all, all played a role in that plus I think some of these characters would have felt pretty cheesy if you tried to make them modern but especially the bully characters they felt like old mm-hmm. school bullies old timey bullies oh yeah so, for sure but yeah well, it's, I, I, I would highly recommend it to people who like horror movies and who remember the books fondly I think it's it was a very fun watch Oh yeah, there's definitely a worse way to spend your Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Um, did I watch anything else? I did. I watched one more movie. I watched the one of the, one of the many movies called Eaten Alive. This one was from 1985, which I I basically I was flipping through Tubi and I saw it. And I'm like, is this one of the Eaten Alive's I've seen before, or is this one I haven't seen before? Because there seems to be a lot of movies with that title. <laughs> <laughs> from like the mid 70s to the mid 80s um, so I was pleasantly surprised to realize that I had not seen it before but uh, maybe even more pleasantly surprised to find out that it had an actual plot to it and it's a, it's a cannibalism movie but um, it kind of surrounds this like Jim Jones like cult of people who have set up shop in a jungle where there happen to be cannibals and like the main plot is this girl it's going there to find her sister and kind of gets sucked in but in addition to all the like normal cannibal movie exploitation stuff you get people eating people and rape scenes and animals being slaughtered and all that other stuff that you would expect there's this like whole subplot of these people have to escape this cult before they get fully sucked in because they're literally being like they're they're being brainwashed by the cult leader and they're they're kind of stranded in the middle of this jungle and if they try to run there's cannibals out there but if they stay they're going to end up being part of this cult and they don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, so I found it surprisingly interesting from a plot perspective for a cannibal movie. I just and again like it still had all of the what you would expect the exploitation elements. So I I was pretty happy with it. Nice. You can check that off your eating alive. Uh... Checklist. I feel like I, I don't know. I, I should have looked it up, but I feel like there's just a whole bunch of movies called Eaten Alive. 
because we've talked about the one on the show from the 70s. I think there was one in 1980. This one was apparently 85. <clears throat> I don't know. Let's find out. Eaten Alive. So yeah, 76, 1980, uh, 2009, 2014. <laughs> <laughs> Still going. Uh, uh, there was one called Infested from 2002 that in foreign markets was eaten alive. Okay. 2018, the young cannibals, AKA eaten alive. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think my point has been proven. There are a lot of them. <laughs> it seems like it's the laziest title for a cannibal movie ever. <laughs> it's like, come on, man, put a little effort into it. Oh. But yeah, that, that one, I think I think it was eighty five. I think it's from. It's not showing up on your list of movies called that though. Uh, hold on, I close that window. I think it was. You know, you don't have to reopen it. It's fine. I think it was listed in nineteen eighty. Um, Wonder if that's the same one. Young woman teams up with an adventurer to find her missing sister in the jungle of New Guinea, and they stumble upon a religious cult led by a deranged preacher. Yeah, that's yeah. the same one. Berta Lindsay? Yeah. Huh. I wonder why 2B TV told me it was 85, or I misread it, whichever one of those well, is more likely. It says 1980 Italy, so maybe it didn't come out in the States. Like, oh, yeah, maybe it got like a VHS release in 85 or something. Yep, here it is, USA, October 1985. Oh, there you go. It all makes sense now. Yeah. Ooh, only came out in Finland in 2013. <laughs> Those poor Finnish people so far behind the... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you even call that. Oh, The, the Eaten Alive from 2015 is a documentary about cannibalism films. So. Well, there you go. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, I think that's about it. Well, we already talked about all the things I watched. Oh, really? Yeah. That's, un- so, that's unfortunate. I didn't get to watch Jack shit. Uh, I did catch the, like the last third of the Monster Squad before I came down here. That's nice. Day. Yeah, and I was just flipping through channels, and I saw it was on one of the cable channels, and I was like, you know, you don't stumble across the Monster Squad very often, just randomly. So I just sit and watch the rest of it. I mean, you got to watch him for that Gill Man alone. Oh, yeah, I got to see Fat Kid shoot him right in the chest with a shotgun. Yeah. Shit, now I might have to watch Monster Squad before I can go to bed tonight. <laughs> it was good. It was glorious. Such a good movie. It's just, it, I mean, I'm sure a lot of it's inappropriate by today's standards, but... <laughs> oh, come on, that one kid makes Jason Harvey eat a Snickers bar that he had smushed yeah. into the ground. Serves him right for being a bully. That's right. Son of a bitch. It's still my favorite part of that is the look on cat, Fat Kid's face when he's just like, yeah, you're eating that now, bitch. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Next week, uh, Howergist comes to an end with our last two Rutger Hauer movies, uh, Bone Daddy and Slow Burn. And Slow Burn is from 2000 with Pam Greer and Rucker Hauer. Because much like Eating Alive, there's a billion movies called Slow Burn. There, there do seem to be a lot of them. <laughs> now, Doug, you had problems finding the movie for this week. 
but it worked in your favor. Yeah. You seem to think you may have a problem finding a movie for next week as well. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can find Slow Burn. Not that not that movie called Slow Burn anyway. <laughs> we will see. If you can't get the proper Slow Burn, the only solution is to watch as many of the other ones as you can. <laughs> That's right. I don't know if I do, if I'll do that. Um, maybe I will. I won't. I won't. Some of the other ones look real bad, so <laughs> and they don't have Rutger Hauer in them to save. Oh, Rutger Hauer. So, how do you feel it's been so far this month, Noah? Despite uh, despite flying virus. Despite I mean, yeah. Despite that, pretty good. Pretty good. Tower month. <laughs> Every month should be Hour month. I will say it has been surprisingly solid. Like I think we're before this week we were like what pretty much all three of us had recommended every movie. I think so. Yeah. Is that right? Like, like Blind Fury, Hobo with a Shotgun. I think we both liked those quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I wasn't uh, a big fan of The Hitcher, but I said I would be willing true. to rewatch it at some other point. We all had issues with Nighthawks, but overall we're positive, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, like for this podcast to be like six movies in and only have one absolutely terrible one is really quite an accomplishment. <laughs> 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 Other shows might talk about good movies every week, but for us, this is a big deal. Uh, uh, that's I, totally worth it. See, I think. It. I was going to say, I think the oh, problem with Flying Virus was that uh, uh, it's not a movie starring Rutger. <laughs> That's the issue? Yeah. It's a, movie a that, bit. it's a movie that Rutger Howard stopped by for a little while. That's what I'm saying. They Malcolm McDowell us. We got McDowell, son. <laughs> I do want to thank whoever negotiated the contract that did not include streaming rights for Canada, because it sounds like you guys really helped me out. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.